millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Uh, good morning. Um, it's a gloomy sort of morning. We've got wind has come back. We had a great time while souls were over in New York, so uh, the weather's been fantastic. As the moment I get back, it turns to shit. Um, look, we got a we got a legend in the room today, Tom Carroll. G'day, Tom. How you going, mate? <laughs> And you know, legend, certainly a legend from my point of view, because when I was a kid growing up, um, I'm a bit old than Tom, but he was so, so well regarded as a surfer. Mm. He was a legend and I'm like 10 years older than him and everybody was talking about him when I was growing up and I was mm. surfing. So it's, it's, for me, it's a great thrill to be able to talk to Tom Carroll. And of course, we've got Nick and Nick and Jakey. Morning. Hey, guys. Jay. Morning. Okay. So I, one of the things I'm... We often talk about inspiration and motivation to do business and what are the virtues and the characteristics you need to have to be successful at business, and there are a number of them. And one of the big ones, of course, is courage and, and, a, and a concept of being fearless, although I often say that fearless is not like being reckless, in other words, having no regard for the consequences. Fearless is about understanding the risk and being then prepared or have enough courage to actually take that risk on. And what we got here is a guy who's, you know, he's not a, not, certainly not a titan in stature, but he's, you know, he's a... He's a well-regarded, tough surfer who rides waves probably 10, 15 times bigger than himself and as Tom Carroll, and that takes a lot of courage. And I, I guess I want to know whether you, Tom, and maybe in the beginning it started off as fearless, but what's happened over time? I mean, why do you still do it? What are you, 54 now? 54. So you're yeah. 54 years mm. of age. You look fit as Mally Bull. <laughs> he, looks, he looks like he could go and play halfback alongside Alfie Langer and fucking score as many tries <laughs> as Alfie Langer. I mean, has, he does. He looks very fit for his age. Mm. Most guys were sports and retired by this time. They don't mm. do anything. Mm. Tom's still riding big waves. What does it take, mate? I just love it, you know. Just purely, purely for the love of it uh, and, and you know, just the, the engagement. I'm, I think as a surfer, I'm incredibly lucky to have a sport that's in front of me that I can do as a, as a, it's a leisure thing. It, it can be applied as a competitive, with a competitive element to it. But also I'm invo- involved with nature and, you know, I don't know, probably everyone in this room right now and everyone who's listening understands the feeling they get from hitting the ocean and what that feels like when you come out. So um, as a surfer, when we engage in the ocean with full physical engagement and, I'm, and I've got to take full atten- pay full attention to the ocean. And I've, over, incrementally over time, I've de- developed this really deep relationship with the ocean and that's you know started surfing at seven years of age and uh that deep relationship sort of carries me in many ways so i 
And when I get a chance, and I've got great relationships around the world, places like Hawaii, which I love going to, it's kind of like a second home, where you know I kind of my whole focus is actually, you know, still challenging my body, chill, still challenging my mind in, in in intense situations in the ocean. Explain um, one. Explain to me, like what I mean. Explain to people listening. What is yeah. an intense situation? Is it like? You get you on your board shorts, or you put your wedding on, whatever it is, and you jump on your board. And where does it become intense? <laughs> oh, when you present with a, you know, thirty foot wall of water coming towards yeah. you. You know, and what that does that mean? That moment? Moment? I mean, most we yeah. are, we watch yeah. on television. Well, there's a shark swimming around you. <laughs> sharks, yeah. Well, sharks are in there too, but uh, you know, they don't really want us. But uh, it's a thirty foot. Of thirty foot of water, wall of water. When we're yeah, thousands of tons, thousands of tons of water. I mean, it doesn't care who you are. Mm. So, um, what can it do to you? It can drown us. It can drown us or pin us against the reef. Uh, The, you know, uh, it can also offer an incredible ride. So you got this. <laughs> so do those this. first two go through your mind? Though? What goes through your mind? So you're paddling out. Mm. And you, I mean, most of us would paddle and see a 30-foot wall of water coming towards us mm. and we think of tsunami and uh, getting pinned mm. to the roof. That's what I'd be thinking. Mm. And or, you know, all the other negative mm. things. Mm. Do, you, do you sort of say, okay, they're the things that are going to happen but I'm going to think about how great this is going to be? How do you get over that? Well, it's kind of uh, it's amazing. I, <clears throat> I've got all this great stored up sort of information in my body you know, over years and sort of incrementally getting myself into this situation for one, right? Yep. And I can actually put myself into the situation. I try to keep myself, as, you know, in good shape so I can challenge myself in it. And I think as I've gotten older, uh, you know, I'm 54 like, like we talked about and, um, you know, my adrenaline pumps through my body differently now compared to what it did. And like you were talking about courage and recklessness before uh, and, and, and risk assessment and so on like that. I mean, I'm way, way better, way better at assessing the risk today and, and diving in there with courage today than what I did before. I was pretty reckless before. So and now, now you would say it's true mm, courage mm, and calculated courage mm, based on data and information that yeah, you're looking yeah, at calculating mm, as you go mm, along. Mm. And experience versus mm. when you're much younger, you got away with it, fortunately. Yes, um, somehow. <laughs> uh, but then you're more reckless because it was more. Mm. I'm just going to have a crack. Yeah, that's it. And 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 I and I somehow pulled that off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but definitely uh, today, you know, when I'm seeing that wall of water coming, uh, you know, I feel much more connected to my equipment underneath me, uh, whether I'm paddling or I'm towing into the wave. Uh, you know, there's always, you know, I can, I can feel the elements much, much deeper, you know, within myself. Uh, I understand the situation and I can actually, I'm okay to pull back too, you yeah. know. So I give myself, all those options are open. But, you know, um, earlier on this year we surfed the, the Eddie Arcao, uh event, which is only run, it's only run eight times in 31 years. It's an extraordinary event held at Waimea Bay. You know, we'll, <laughs> it was sort of one of those days where I wouldn't normally go out. You know, at Waimea Bay. Also, not on top of that, I just sustained an injury to my right knee a week before it, and there was a piece of something floating around in there that was just wasn't well. And I, you know, literally my knee was getting caught and cat, you know. So I had a few things going on when I was walking down the beach to go and surf in this event. Playing on your mind. Yeah, playing on my mind. Yep. Sort of wanting to come in and say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And, uh, but the actual inertia of the event, you know, I guess they say environment's stronger than willpower. You know, I'm in there in the environment and I put myself in the environment so I'm getting 
pulled along by this inertia of the event and next minute I'm out in 30-foot surf, you know, and, and I've got to work out, you know, the take the risk assessment on how am I going to take, take off in one of these waves in this competition and do my best under the scenario. And I've actually surfing in a lineup that I never actually surfed in. I felt foreign because I'd surf Waimea that many times at about 25, 20 feet, 25 feet. But this day it was it was closing out and there was waves coming way off the, the, the normal takeoff zone. So I had to sort of film my way through this with this funky old knee and uh, and see where my see my real courage lay. Do you think is is it and is courage as much about recalibrating your thought processes and sort of structuring mm. everything up and putting it all in line mm. and then just stepping it out or is courage just blind now ah, these days? Good question. And and there's probably all those wrapped up because there's so much going on and uh, and um, out there for uh, all of us, we're all different and we take it on differently. From my inner sort of experience in that situation, I'm getting, I'm getting more experience with this adrenaline and, and my inner in a response to my nerve. You know, you talk about nerve, say, if you're, you know, a Formula One card, you know, one of those Formula One drivers, which I, or, or you know, a GP rider. You know, these these people have got to make a decision and, and feel that nerve where they can push it out to the edge of the corner. When we're sitting underneath the 30-foot wall of water coming towards us, we've got to be able to sort of relax and take a moment to, um, you know, to be, to actually be in our own chemical makeup. And that's what I've, I sense much better today than what I ever done before. But I, I definitely had it that day. There was a lot of adrenaline running through the body. I'm used to that. I like that. It's been a part of my story. You know, I, I love that adrenaline push and, and surge through my body. But um, making the decision around a, a, an injury in that situation, I had to kind of kind of push back against it. And, and see what was the best decision to make on the moment. And do you do you use mm. meditation in some format? Because I mean, surfing is very meditative. Mm. That's what a lot of people say. Um, do you use some form of meditation to to calm the, the adrenaline down? Because adrenaline is a good feeling, but adrenaline can be a bad thing yeah. because it can mm. you know you can I know when you take off, you jump up in the wave, and all of a sudden your legs start to feel a bit wobbly because mm. the adrenaline can suck suck the the energy out of you. Um, do you meditate some way? Yeah, yeah. Meditation is an extremely important part of the whole equation, especially with the ocean and big ocean. I think uh, for me anyway, and I know that uh, quite a few of the other surfers do it and practice it. And I think, uh, you know, it's good for anyone. I mean, the old days really, they used to smoke a hot one before. Yeah, them. that's <laughs> it. But today they meditate. Well, we did, yeah. yeah. And we did, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Like, oh, I was a kid too once. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's where you that'd take the fear out pretty quickly, but. Yeah, yeah. You can do and anything. Get lost out there too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might not catch any out. waves. Just <laughs> yeah. Where's Where's he gone? Where's Mark <laughs> Tom gone? But uh, it's like uh, no. The meditation, yeah, just it helps us get in touch with who we are deep, deep at a deeper um, place. Yeah. Um, but it has to be done regularly, whether it be and it, I can get in touch with that whilst I'm in the water. Come back to the breath. It's so really come back that? to the breath. Just because I mean, you know we get a lot of small business owners and business mm. owners generally listening to us, and you know they get inspired by people like you. But mm. what we try to do is see how you know, I'd be interested in what your views are. How um, people can apply what you're going through because you know in business sometimes people, small business especially, 
startups. They're looking at everything's a 30-foot wave to them. It's huge. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine. And they're yeah. saying, like, well, yeah. Tom, like, how do I, you know, what do you do to get through this? What can I use, you're mm. telling me, what can I use to make my business on a daily basis get through these 30-foot waves? I mean, what would you say to them? I would make it their, their most urgent uh, kind of, um, I wouldn't say it's a big achievement, but I'd make it their urgent um, sort of, make it urgent that they need to practice um, meditation. It's yeah, like, yeah. A, I know it sounds completely opposite, make it urgent, but really um, make it a daily practice. A daily practice. Come back to yourself. Uh, give yourself a space, you know, especially our mind, because it all comes from our mind. Everything, you know, all, you know and we're going to get that right. So if we start in a startup business and we've got to make big decisions on a daily basis, you know, each decision you're making at that point in the day, every day, is going to change the direction of this startup. It's like it's, and, and you're you're at this, you're steering the ship. So that's your mind is making the decision here. And so if the mind's not right, if we haven't got a steady um, relationship with ourselves, uh, and we're going into a, you know these you know situations, you're not going to have a steady outcome. Was it always like that for you? No. And Definitely what, not. And, and I mean, I, I, I mm. don't want to get sort of into the deep stuff, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> what changed? Well, um, I took it out to the edge, you know, yep. and uh, and just like I, I think um, the energy inside myself, that kind of ability to focus, the ability to, um, you know, apply myself uh, and, and consistently do it uh, over a period of time and and, and achieve, I think, uh, was really, really you know, finally focused and pin sharp and it, and, it, and it got me to some really good spaces in my competitive career. Uh, but if there was no support and plan on the other side of it and, you know, when, when the other side of your career comes down, all that, all that pin sharp focus and energy can sort of come back against you. Immediately destructive. Yeah, becomes destructive against you. So, so you're going forward one day, you mean, you know, for a long period of time, get, kicking these goals, kicking these goals, and depending on how you're behaving in that uh, and how you're focused and where it's coming from within you, uh, you know, can be extraordinarily powerful. And then all of a sudden that stuff's taken away, the goals are taken away and, and, and so on, and when you focus and your direction and so on take, is taken away, that energy is still left there. I mean, what do we do with that energy? So the energy can actually sort of suck back towards it's like a, you turn into a kind of a black hole. Well, it's sort of like literally. a drug that your body feels like it needs mm. to continually get this high and you That's seek correct. other highs. That's <clears> correct. Because you're yeah. not getting off from the, from the waves anymore. That's so correct. And we're left with this stuff that we're, wow, we don't feel too good about, really. Yeah. You know, we're not quite sure what to think of it. And it's extremely powerful and it seems to be overwhelming and it can... It can take it take a it can take over our lives and and actually you know everyone everyone starts to split yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know you just like this you know this bit of oil you know you drop oil in the yeah. water and just the water just goes dissipates yeah, yeah so well, it's funny because you know uh, I mean I've I, I, I'm, I'm a, an observer of people in business mm. and sport and was and mm. uh, it's not an uncommon it's not an uncommon characteristic for. Um, hugely successful people like you in your in, in any given arena, whether it's business or sport or whatever, um, to experience what you just said in the younger years, in the formative years, the early years especially. Mm. Um, and there's, there's plenty written on, um, you know, sort of people who are considered to be psychopathic. And I don't mean in a, 
I don't mean in a dangerous sense, but mm. I mean in a sociopath style. Mm. Many successful business people are sociopaths. Yes. And, and, uh, yeah. and some people would say mm. they, they don't actually understand mm. what's going on around them because they're just mm. so focused, they're just mm. driving down. And to some extent, um, the only ones who survive are the ones who do go through the process you're going through yeah. and actually come out the other end, yeah. a more mature, balanced person. Mm. But if you don't get through that, then you just you go down a hole. And you and I know plenty of them. Yes. But coming out of your industry. Mate. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've watched a lot of very sad things happen. Yeah. And, uh, and very intelligent, creative, f- brilliant individuals uh, in one area. <laughs> and so uh, in all other areas, get they're, they're just not balanced and things fall over at some point. What's the difference? Though? Why you? Why did you sort of mm. work it out? I mean, is it your parenting yeah. or your family or is it did you mm. put it down to your mum and dad? Or you know, what do you put it down to? I just don't know. You know, I can't pinpoint it. I know that um, at some point I was opened up, you know, to something. You have to hit the really low level. Yeah, because a, a, lot a lot of the f- that, that amazing sort of uh, ability to focus and – and, and, and our our abilities and pull it all together, and you know you get this sort of you 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 become a little bit imbalanced around ego, and so ego sort of starts to play a large role in sort of creating the illusion that we did it on our own. Mm. So, and and all of a sudden, you know, um, and and that's that's not uncommon. I think it's really is someone tapping on the shoulder like yeah, your parents he, alive? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. My father's did he my tap, tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, mate"? No, but he was there. You know, and uh, you know he's ninety two now. He's wow. um, yeah, he's still with us, and you know does his thing, and he's he's just a one beautiful human being, and uh, just full of just beautiful wisdom. You know, this it's lovely to share stuff with him. But I think along the way, uh, I did turn when I did turn around and ask for help. It was there, yeah. You know, I, but it wasn't in me to ask for help. You know, there was. That part of me going, you know, yeah, come on, I can't pull this off myself, you know. How can I can I just do this myself, you know? Uh, and I think all the messages is being a bloke, you know, like from being a kid, you know, in the 70s, growing up in the 70s, you know, surfing and, you know, like trying to make up this idea of being a professional surfer. What was that, you know, back in my day, that was just like you're killing me. A yeah. Professional surfer, you can't you laugh. Yeah, what are you going to get out of that? You know, and it was just, it was actually, it's, it was completely left of field thinking back there. But um, the fact is, um, you, you know, you did it on your own, and 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 there's so much more support out there today for young athletes. And they should use it and yeah. just hey, yeah. Talk, talking about maintaining focus, I was just reading mm. um, Nico's notes on you that he sent through last night. Um, Things getting inside your head, like mm-hmm. you mentioned that um, that uh, the night before your a championship competition pipeline that your, your sister was in a crash and she unfortunately mm-hmm. passed away. How do you? Like, and then the next day you wanted to rush back to mm-hmm. to your family and be by your family's yeah. side and support. And your dad told you to to stay and surf yeah. for her, and, and you went on to win that one, right? Well, how that did, really. Uh, how, did yeah, you, that how did you like? I mean, talking about like not letting things get inside your mm-hmm. head. How did you manage to put that one to the mm-hmm. side and? Well, that was one of those really cool moments, like extraordinarily beautiful kind of moments where an event happens in our life that clears the path to something that's a lot bigger than me. There's no doubt in my mind that there's an energy out there that's way bigger than me. I've got no say in it and and it can work in my favour. And so, and that was a really beautiful example of that happening. You know, my sister passed away instant, 
when someone close to us passes away really quick like that, mm. and and I'd never experienced anything like that except apart from I lost my mother when I was seven uh, to cancer. That was a slow passing away. I was like six years old. I didn't understand what was going on. At some level, it all all just ha- it happened. Probably left a whole bunch of stuff in me. I I didn't know what, I didn't know how to work it out. But then down the track, losing my sister um, really quickly like that. I was in the middle of training for you know the pipeline masters which was was about to go ahead and and I was like in the thick of my you know really at the peak of my my career uh, I always wanted to win a pipeline uh, you know and I just just used to start decided to use head protective gear like a helmet so I could just push it that much harder I could go behind the wave with more confidence I could you know possibly headbutt the reef and not get smashed and get brain damage, whatever, you know, I just felt indestructible to some degree, you know, it was really the peak and, um, and I was coming on and then losing someone like that in your life focus, focuses us, it just spreads, you know, it just clears the path of you what's real. You're about that when you're out there though or not, um, like, not the way that's coming but, you know, the loss well, that you when, Yeah, when my father said uh, to me over the phone, he said, you know, I think Josephine would like you to win the event, stay and win the event. And that was a clear thing. It just sort of can't feel it right now. Like, of course you would, yeah. Of yeah. course this is what she'd want. Sure. So, you know, and when I know that I'm competing against someone who's got that stuff on board, man, <laughs> you, you better be good yeah, exactly. if you want to beat this person. Because so you chose to take the positive position. I just, yeah, I chose that. That position to, to stay. Because you could have said, Dad, yeah, well, I, uh, no, I'm coming home. Yeah, well, I'm upset. Yeah, I'm upset and whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the difference between choosing one and the other? Uh, well, are you normally a positive guy? Like, I think generally, um, you know, over my my life experience, I've been quite positive, you know, and, and, and look towards the positive side. And uh, you know, there's been times when I haven't. That's for sure, but. My experience is definitely that I'd, I'd rather go for the positive it's a better side. Better outcome. So don't, like yeah. try, don't try and like compartmentalise it. Sort of use it. You know, so, so yeah. okay, what's what's what, well, why I'm, what's the the positive reason for you my, know us, using what what's happened to mm. me to, to help me achieve my objective? Yeah. Well, it focused me. You know, the whole idea that I was doing something for something way bigger than the event and myself. So you're doing you know, it for your sister's memory. I'm doing sister's... it for my sister. It's way bigger. It's not. I can't. I can't grab it and hold and touch it. It's way bigger. I'm feeling it in every every cell in my body. There's um, and and all my all my focus and talent. I, I swear, if my mind was in the way, and we're talking about meditation, if my mind was in the way that day, I probably would not have won. Sure. If I was trying to think that day out in any way, better form or shape, my mind might have been really creative, but it would have taken me on a whole another path. The fact that I was able to let go and somehow had that message coming through me that I could, I, you know, and the ocean has its rhythm, you know, that's why I like going in her. She has a rhythm that I can't make up, that I have to surrender to. And so uh, in, in a pipeline that day and you bring back a really good memory because it, it, it's such a beautiful day that day because I could, I literally paddled out in each heat. Uh, and I seem to get into sync with that rhythm way easier than what I did when my mind's in the way. So the mind, she's tricky. And I think, you know, going back to meditation, our, our greatest, most urgent sort of mission, uh, whether it be business, you know, sport, 
uh, you know, dealing with our loved ones is to get this 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 mind right. And I think so that's cool, like yeah. uh, adopting mm. the rhythm of whatever mm. you're doing, mm. because you don't control mm. what's going on in nature. Mm. You don't control what's going on in business. You don't control the cycles in business. You don't control the people around mm. you because they're all got their shit going on. Mm. So it's all about adopting the rhythm and going with the momentum. That's correct. Let, and that's how you take control. Mm. Instead mm. of trying to switch mm. everything around, mm. yeah. say, it's not going the right way for me, I've got to mm. make it go this way or that way. Actually, you take control by mm. getting involved with the rhythm because mm. that's why you control yourself. Yeah, that's a good don't test. Don't against the current. Correct. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good thing for people listening now, like small business owners. Yeah. You know, you're going to get really stressed if mm. you try to take control of something that's going the wrong direction mm. or not going the direction you want. And I think Nick was on, you know, you talked about paddling against the current. You know, I, you know, I just take it for granted when I go down to the beach and and I've got, you know, that I know water. That it's just all sixth sense for me. So when I'm teaching someone how to surf yeah, you know or showing someone, taking them for a yeah, and and they they just there's it, all this going on and they just want to fight it. And so, so like playing golf. Yeah, oh, no, I, I don't talk to me about golf. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. <laughs> That's the ultimate. A fucking golf ball. They can hold it this way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where did that come from? It's like, that's the ultimate test, you know. And it's funny that you know, so many business people Play golf. do business yeah. on the golf course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's brilliant. It's a place where, you know, that movement has to be zen-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't be attached. So, you cannot be thinking about anything else. No. Mm, it's brilliant. Yeah, but mm. I, it's, it's, uh, I think that, uh, you know, from my – to talk to people like because surfing is very individual. Like you're not out there in a team environment. It's all about you. It's a bit like boxers. It's all about them in the ring. Like it's and golf's the same. It's all about an individual. Mm. And I think business is sort of at the end of the day, where it's not really about teamwork. If you own the business, if you've got a startup, it's all about you're on your own. Mm. And I really think I believe that. And this whole process of meditation, I don't want to get sort of too sort of weird about it. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I Nick Boris and I, you know. We sort of believe in meditation in just in a general sense mm. and we meditate. Um, but I do think that you can be meditative mm. as opposed to being, say, into meditation, but meditative in the process of running your business mm. or running a sport. Because at the end of the day, surfing is a business to you. Mm. Yes, absolutely. That was your business. Yeah, yeah. it so, still is. Yeah, it still is your business. Mm. And you have to, when you go into the Pipeline Masters, mm. your business is to go out there and win it or, mm. or, or acquit mm. yourself as well as possible. Mm. Mm. So being meditative in in your business. That's, I don't want someone who's listening to say, oh, yeah, but it's easy for him to say, you know, Tom Carroll, he's out there on the, in, you know, surf and he's, it's easy to be <laughs> meditative. He's out there being meditative because that's the best mm. outcome for him mm. in terms of trying to achieve what his business goal is there on the day. He's in the business of surfing. Just mm. like, uh, you know, Oscar De La Hoya was in the business mm. of boxing mm. and uh, Muhammad Ali was in the business of boxing and just mm. like, uh, you know, cricketers and golfers and everybody else in the business of that sport and we're in the mm. business of startups and, you know, talking to people. Mm. We've got to be meditative in our process. Mm. And I, I, and whatever whatever style you choose to adopt, it doesn't really matter. Mm. No. no. It's not, not necessarily going to go mm. class, sit there with legs crossed. Mm. It can no. be. Mm. But whatever it is, you've got mm. to try and adopt some meditative process because you mm. can't go against, as Nibura said, against the current. Yeah, and I think uh, the, the biggest allure of today is to – Get up in the morning and get going, right? Get going, like, you know, get it into, you know, achieve, 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 achieve. So, you know, and it's really important for a lot of people that don't spend startup business and sometimes achieve, achieve. So you fill your life up with all this stuff, right? And there's no space for you. To think too much. 
you think too much. You get onto this sort of real like, I mean, our brain, and we're supposed to think, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, we've got a thinking brain, it's, it's, it's pointing, it's a pointer to good stuff, you know, pointer to the bad stuff, where do we go, you know? So to actually um, sharpen that up, we need to allow it some space. It's almost like um, my meditation teacher, uh, Andrew Marsh, he, he come up with this really cool, uh, um, I don't know, he must have been taught about, you know, when we sit in meditation, it's like, um, you know, if, if we take an analogy of, of, of a cut, you know, you, you've got a cut, you've cut your arm, you've got this big old gash and the thing's bleeding and, uh, you know, and, and do you think you can apply thought to healing that right now? No. So it's, it's impossible. I just love this analogy. We, you know, we take care of it, we wash it and we, you know, maybe bandage it, you know, make, keep it clean over a period of time and it's going to heal on its own in its own time, without us in the way. So this is what we want to apply in meditation is just allowing ourselves some space each day and go for it each day, you know, come a couple of times a day, 20 minutes if you can. Uh, try to try to allow, at least allot some time for yourself so you can get in touch with the breath. And that, that's as simple as it is. And so you get to um, notice where your thinking's at. Because it's completely crazy, our brain. Our mind will just go, you know, you know what it's like. Yeah. We have crazy thoughts. And that's what it's supposed to Especially do. Especially two in the morning. Especially two in the morning. And you want to go be we gotta be friendly with that. Yeah, yeah. Know? And and if if we haven't got a good you relationship. Go easy on yourself. Yeah, if you haven't got a good relationship with that, yeah. you're gonna find it hard. Yeah. You're gonna struggle. I mean, and we don't like that S word. It's like a, you know, what is that? You know, so Coming back to it, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near. I'm far from perfect. I'm far from, yeah, and I know that I'm just but you human. Keep practicing. But just keep backing up yeah. for my mind, for my ability to be able to focus and, and make clear decisions. And eventually that thing will heal, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, and it heals. Because it does. And it does. Yeah, it's eventually cool. does. Without us in the way. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's <laughs> quite a good analogy. That uh, mm. and, uh, Andrew Marsh, who is he, sorry? Andrew Marsh Meditation. And I'll give him a bit of a plug. Yeah, he, do it. Uh, uh, you can see andrewmarshmeditation.com. Uh, uh, yeah, Sydney-based? Yeah, he's in Sydney-based. And also he's got a um, Marsh Estate um, wines up there in the, uh, Hunter Valley. And, I th- and, uh, and he has a, a two-dayer up there where you go up there and get introduced to it and uh, the process. And so he's a winemaker and a meditation teacher. Yeah, I love but that. He, he, I love that. Yeah, how cool is that? You know, yeah. and he's actually Marsh Estate, Marsh wines. Estate wines. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I think and I've seen those wines. Yeah. 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 Probably yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. yeah br- really old vineyard yeah. uh, up there, and uh, probably one of the oldest. And um, he's uh, he's a classic. Mate, can I ask you? He is a classic. Like, everyone's got one. Like growing up, when you say, let's say you're, um, when you say start serving at seven, so let's say you're thirteen, fourteen. Who is your uh, Sporting idol. Oh, wow, yeah. So for me, I was focusing on surfing and it was probably not, not a great one at the time, it was um, Michael Peterson who was an incredible surfer and he was winning everything, you know. Uh, uh, every event that he went in, he was winning. And Why is that I, not a great example? Well, he passed away and, uh, and he had a real rough time with drugs, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, a lot of that information got passed on to me. You know, in the seventies, and and I think you know, and that was where okay, that's what you got to do. So at some level, even though I sort of fought or fought it along the way, that sort of you know, but I just loved the idea that he was winning. 
you know, and, and that's what I really wanted to do. And, and, and his style of surfing was very powerful. I wanted to be a very strong, powerful Impressive. surfer. Yeah, yeah and, and, um, and we, we just, we just idolised him and, and my brother and myself and a bunch of other my mates, people like that. There was Cole Smith from Narrabeen who was uh, one of the most incredibly athletic uh, most exciting surfers of the time, and he used to shape my surfboards. So he was like, he'd drive me and he's hotted up uh, EH Holden. I love it. I have one of those. Not a hot one, it's EH. And uh, he used to slide around everywhere. I used to love it. He used to have big fat wheels on it when it was wet like today. <laughs> he'd be sliding everywhere. I was just loving it. Flying get away around more the back. Shit then, then. Oh, he used to get away with Blue Murder, but it was fun. You know, it was all fun. Especially up the, North Shore, up the North Shore. Yeah. You know, just, northern beaches. Yeah, it was, unbelievable. It was like being in Mullumbimby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, you know? yeah. It's like <laughs> today, but it's like... <laughs> yeah, no one's looking. No one's looking. Yeah. And, um, yeah, up the end of... What was it? Anyway, it was fun. And, it was and, a lot and, of fun. outside of surfing, yeah. did you... I mean, obviously your dad was mm. a big influence on you, but like mm. outside of that? Outside of surfing, as I went on, I used you know... I, I, I watched, um, as I developed as an athlete and as a surfer and I wanted to be a professional surfer and I wanted surfing to be a professional sport, uh, I started looking out the sport, outside the sport, guys like John McEnroe uh, uh, and, you know, uh, um, Olympic athletes. Uh, I used to look at how much, how many hours they used to spend, uh, you know, especially tennis players because they were, they were individual sports people. Yeah. And, and later down the track I started to see some more and more uh, similarities in the way we had to deal with our mind going out of the court, going out of the surf, and we were surfing man on man uh, in, in the water. But um, those, sort of, uh, those sort of people um, way down the track, further down the track on a, on a grander scale, people like Nelson Mandela, people who really, you know, went through Big changes in their in their in, in themselves in order to come to another another place of acceptance. Things like that um, played a big role in, in the way I kind of view life and so on. What about today? Like who who's in the surfing world? I mean, do you sort of who do you say is a great role model today in the surfing world? I mean, blokes like Mick Fanning. I mean, who who? Are you? Yeah, look look. Um, for me, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Kelly Slater. Uh, Still up. Yeah, he's uh, in the semi-final. He might be in the final right now in Tahiti right this very moment. Yeah, amazing. Uh, so he, um, the way he's been able to uh, conduct himself throughout his career and actually keep keep recreating himself. Would he be 50? He's not 50. He's, he's 10 years younger than me. Okay, so mid-40s. Mid-40s, 44. So 44, brilliant athlete. Uh, you know, probably one of the best athletes I've ever met, you know. Uh, so, and Mick Fanning, yeah, today Mick Fanning is, is also... Ex- extraordinary I think uh, you know we've where you know he's still got away you know he's still got plenty more in the tank I think he's going to come you know come at us a bit bit stronger but um, he had a rough 12 months he's had an amazing 12 months he's yeah. come through it uh, he's you know he's still on the path I mean you know and and I love watching his – I mean, I'd known him since he was just this little kid. He came with his, his – Sean, his brother, to the training camps we used to run uh, for the Quicksilver team back in the 90s and he was just this cheeky little kid. Like, like he just was so cheeky, you know, and he we had should give spirit. His new, we should give his new beer brand a plug Yeah, too. give Bolt, him a yeah, is Bolt, it? Bolt, Bolt, I think it's called Bolt, Bolt Beer. Oh, Bolt. Bolt. <laughs> yeah, up there at like – uh, I think they're, they're, they're beer – they're selling up the northern beaches and as mm. under, up mm. the northern, uh, northern rivers up at um, – Brunswick and I think at uh, 
they're going to have a big uh, Saturday next week. They're going to have um, vans out at the one of the hotels up there and mm. um, start uh, promoting their beer like out of vans. So and Bolt Beer, him and Gingel and a few others are involved in it. So uh, mm. good on him. I mean, it's good to see. Mm. People come out of sporting professions and go into new careers, and yeah. here's a good example. But you're doing something too. What's what's this? What are you doing now in relation to the startup for shark repellent? Shark repellents, yeah. Well, okay. Um, well, I was approached by um, Shark Shield um, about four years ago, actually, uh, to become a brand ambassador for them to help them get their get their shark deterrents out, and also help develop um, their shark deterrent, which was basic was 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 uh, built for divers, really. Military, for, it's a military use. And it's a military use and, yep. and, and diving, clearance divers and, and so on. A lot of technology uh, comes out of military. Yeah, and so uh, that had been, it had been around for about 14 years and they wanted to develop uh, um, a device for surfboards that was much more effective and, what, and, and less uh, performance sort of hampering than what they had. Had this trail off the back of the surfboard and, and the antenna would just set off the electrical field off way off the surfboard, but it would create enough field to – but it would just cause drag, you know, and the surfers don't like having drag off their surfboard. So um, Lindsay Lyon came and, uh, um, you know, came to uh, Nick Fordham and myself and uh, and looked at, you know, where's a way can we work a deal to um, get you involved in, in developing the product for a surfboard. There's a lot of surfers and we, we know that's what's been going on around Australia, especially uh, with shark attack and, uh, and how much fear that's placed in, in, in the surfing community or people even want to – the dream of surfing disappears, yeah. you know, uh, and that's a sad thing because I know how much it's given to me you know, surfing, uh, and so many people still just love surfing it. And, and we want to try and help those surfers to stay in the water without having to have that sort of thought that, oh, my God, I'm going to get hit by something that's going to take my leg, my life or whatever. So we started to develop uh, uh, and the, an- the antenna for the surfboard. And it's, it's basically a, uh, um, a very elaborate decal. And which is which is placed on the bottom of the surfboard. It's attached to um, the electrical device, which is on top, which is set in the back of the deck grip. And now the deck grip surfers use deck grip as opposed to wax, quite, and we use a combination of the two. The deck grip sits on the back of the board. It's also got a kick in it, which stops the foot coming off the back of the surfboard while surfing. And the electric electronic um, rechargeable device is set up, set in. Uh, the kick of the of the deck grip, which is um, we've got a partner in um, in, in Ocean and Earth who do have got a, a wide distribution uh, within the surfing um, industry. Well, it's going to be called Shark Shield. It's going to be short, called Shark Shield. And when does it go to market? It goes to market in, in September. Ready for the summer. Ready for the summer, yep. and uh, you know, and you know, you know the Northern Rivers area. Uh, it'll be four ninety nine for the for the actual. Um, Device, the initial device with the whole the whole package in can it. You fit it yourself, or you got to get um, someone to do it. Uh, you can fit it yourself, and we'll really explain that really clearly uh, um, with on a YouTube video and so on. But uh, I'd, I'd pay that to keep a shark away from me. <laughs> Bloody hell, so uh, ten times that. You not only have that option because yeah. many surfers have. Many surfboards. Yeah, <laughs> we so, so we all have. We actually there's so many different surfboards. But yeah, yeah. on your favourite surfboards, you can go and get um, just the antenna, which you can um, plug in the uh, the electronic device in and swap it around each surfboard. And that 
just that extra one uh, antenna will be $99. So you can make that initial outlay of uh, $500, $499, whatever, and then uh, go $99 each surfboard so that you like. You're going to surf in specific areas which you, you know, or just your enjoyable Shark surfboard. Areas. Shark, yeah. That, um, the, the cool thing about this, uh, and, and probably maybe it's not the cool thing, <laughs> but uh, th- this is the only shark deterrent device that's been peer-reviewed. So uh, there are shark, de- shark deterrent devices out there that may have some effect, which is really good. They're out in the marketplace. Shark bands and modem uh, um, le- leg ropes. I don't know, you know. Yep. It's just attached to the surfboard and around your leg. The Velcro device has a shark bands in it. It sets off a uh, more of a uh, – uh, it's a magnetic field, which is a little bit weaker. Than, I mean, it's quite a bit weaker than uh, than an electronic uh, device that we're, we're putting on the surfboard, which actually, actually is acting like an electric fence. And we're not saying this is going to be 100%. No way you can say this is 100% effective. I mean, we're dealing with sharks. Um, they are – uh, in their environment, they're they are they they're king in their environment, but they definitely don't want to. Uh, all evidence shows us they don't want human flesh. They don't. They spit you out, and they don't want us. So we just want to deter them. We so don't want to go. Spit you out? Yeah, they yeah, just right. basically just take a up. Oh, <laughs> yuck! That's a human. In fact, we're very foreign to them. Yeah. They want fish. Oh, a seal, yeah. and so uh, or you know larger creatures. And even larger creatures get them, so <laughs> they become prey. So that's just the way it is, right? We like that <laughs> as humans. So, uh, but in the water, um, the, the, the sharks aren't seeking out human flesh. They just simply aren't. They might come up as um, and have a little sniff around. Uh, and we're starting. We're just learning more and more about these beautiful creatures. Uh, is all there the more time. sharks? Uh, there's definitely not more sharks. Right. Uh, I can tell you that. Probably the great white because they've been uh, protected uh, and rightly so. But, in fact, humans kill something like 70 million sharks a year. Seriously. We're talking about sharks that are just taken for their shark fin. So yeah. the fin gets taken and an apex predator gets taken out. Just just by the fin, they take the fin, they let the shark go. It's one of the cruelest things I've ever seen yeah, on the planet. And so, and we're talking about a, a soup that's um, used as a delicacy, or actually, I think I understand it's used in uh, wedding ceremonies and so on uh, in China. Aphrodisiac, and, and maybe an aphrodisiac. I'm not quite sure, but it's very toxic. The fin, it's highly toxic. Wow. And uh, so it's it's a very odd um, for me, you yeah. know. Culturally than, odd for us, yeah. Very culturally odd for us, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but not only that, it's 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 highly damaging to ecology, yeah. our ocean system. Uh, yeah, very 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 dumb. It is um, it's fucking dumb. I mean, I don't care about the culture. It's dumb. Yeah, it is dumb. And well, well, uh, also the other thing as well, when when someone's taken by a shark, a great white, the, the mm. first thing is to go out. As happens yeah, in it. WA, and they yeah. go out to go and find it and nail kill it, it. Yeah. you know, to bring it in and hang it up at the dock and go, look, we mm. found it, and cut mm. it open and. Yeah, it's not. There's no human inside. Doing, it's it. <laughs> no, they go and kill every shark around, uh, and that that seems well. It's a waste good. of energy. Yeah. I think, I think mm. they're doing like GPS tracking on them now as well. Like on the sort of, you can sort of see whether, like you know, if they're if they're around. Yeah, like, they can pick up yeah. a shape. That's yeah, what they yeah. used. Uh, well, when Mick Fanning won yeah. the Jeffrey's Bay event, he felt safe in the water yeah. uh, because they had that um, system in 
set up around. Now, mm-hmm. a shark can come into the water. I mean, what yeah. do we do then? Do we, we, we get out of the water? Oh, yeah, you know, exactly. Let, the, let yeah. that thing so have its space. Actually, it's good, it's good, it's good, <laughs> no, yeah. Are they going to sort of introduce like OH&S sort of rules mm. in uh, competitions now? Are they going to sort of start saying, oh, look, we've detected a shape. Mm. Everyone out of the water? Yeah, yeah. Is that going to happen in surfing? Probably, yeah, it's probably you know, well, what's the, coming the, on. The bunker mm. of surfing. The bunker know? of surfing, It's like yeah. how technology plays such a major role in sport. I actually mm. read the other day that with surf lifesaving that say someone's drowning, um, you know, or, or struggling out behind the waves and there's not a – a craft to take out the surf lifesaver, sending the drone out Mm. with a raft and with a flotation Mm. device and everything. Mm. But then you've... The, you imagine the cost then to all the surf life saving clubs of then having a drone and a drone operator Absolutely. and what if it's really windy yeah. and yeah <laughs> no there's all kinds you of send Rod Kerr out get him on a board put him out there and he'll, he'll be out there in ten minutes <clears throat> yeah exactly being exactly. back bring him back in oh look you know what I sharks I've been in ocean one diving it's a great you've, if you ever go to North Shore of Oahu in Hawaii check out oceanonediving.com and go and dive with the sharks you can do that. And you'll instantly feel a whole nother uh, sense with, you know, Mother Nature's. We, we've got this fear about sharks. It's just so distorted. And, it's, it's uh, you know, these sharks, we can go and swim with them. We get to see what they're really about and we get to learn from people who, who they've got the best knowledge uh, of sharks, they're ocean, they're shark researchers, and uh, there's Ocean Ramsey and, and Juan Oliphant who run the operation. You've got to go and do it. It's like one of the one of the most brilliant um, experiences with um, Mother Nature and ocean creatures you'll ever have. And and these beautiful like like the space creatures just floating past you, and they don't. They're just checking it out. You know, they they're just like. Almost like a dog. They're in charge. Yeah, they're in charge. in charge. You just let them have their space, but you get to see them up close and actually get just to drop a bit of that fear. Ocean one. Ocean one diving. Mm. I was only thinking about going away the other day because it's so easy to get to. Mm. It's like eight, nine hours away. Easy. And it's a reverse reverse sort of um, seasons. Yeah. Like on a day like today, I can bloody see myself sitting there and uh, somewhere and – on the north shore of, uh, I can see it, mate. Yeah, okay. I can see. You I, love it. Yeah, you I've, love been, it. I've been there. I used to take the boy, the kids there for years. Same temperature every day. The ocean. Well, you just come. Yeah, you just go. Yeah, just yeah, we. Yeah. I've started. Great place to take kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah, and just it? the water. Oh, the same temperature all the time. Well, this has been a for me. It's been a, a great experience to talk to Tom Carroll. Um, I think not only from the point of view of um, understanding how someone like him transitions from being a young man. Going through the middle of his life and now being a, a you know not an old guy but an older guy still competing still doing all the things he's doing as a young guy but doing it in a different framework, it's a good example of um and it's it's a great um, observation for people in small business and people our listeners to see how you can actually manage your thought processes and actually take control of your thought processes and get the best outcomes for yourself, whether it's within surfing or business or personal life it doesn't make much difference. And someone like Tom is a true inspiration because he's, you know, he's had his trials and tribulations and he's come out the other end and from what I'm seeing, it would be a pretty relaxed, far wiser guy than the way he started. And so I want to thank you for that oh, and uh, it's been a blast. Thanks great, very much. Great opportunity. Yeah, it's good to meet you. Thanks, Jim. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.